And we read from Isaiah chapter 60, and we read the whole chapter, which is a great way of understanding what the Holy Spirit is saying to us from this, uh, this part of God's Word, an important part of God's Word. There's a prophetic element to this, and I, and I believe it's important for us to understand that, but there's that aspect of this passage which speaks really to all men at all times. And so it was as much prophetic for the reformers, you could say, um, as it is for us today. Because this particular portion of Isaiah is really uh, about the, the last days. And the last days aren't just what the futurists uh, dispensationalist and the sensationalist tell us, you know, oh, here comes the Antichrist and he's going to chip you and, and all those things. The last days began when Jesus walked out of the tomb. Amen. The, the, the Christian era, the church era. And so we're in the last days and the, more, the longer it goes on, the deeper into the last days. So some people believe that we really are in the last of the last days and others don't see that, particularly those of a historicist or post-millennial uh, uh, interpretation of end times. But we are living right now in momentous times. And when we live in times, well, really all times, but particularly times where uh, there's great distress in the nations, this is what we turn to. Amen? To give us direction. To give us hope. And, and to speak to us. And I really have come tonight with a strong um, impression and witness in my own spirit that Isaiah 60, because like you, uh, I've been on a journey, I'm sure all of you have, throughout this lockdown. Remember that lockdown is a prison term. And you know, the devil has always tried to lock down God's people. Happened to Israel, didn't it? In the land of Goshen. Now, the land of Goshen was theirs, but they were locked down there. And you know, you've, you've had freedoms during this uh, lockdown, but you're still locked down. And, and those freedoms are still curbed by things like face masks, by you know, the social distancing, all that stuff. There's tape on these pews tonight because we're being told you can't all sit together. Now, I'm not saying we all did sit together anyway, but it's, it's little, little things that impinge on your freedom. You know, some people say, oh, that, these things don't matter. They're there for our safety. Well, I'm not going to get into why it's not just for our safety. I'm sure some of you are aware of that. But lockdown is a present term. And I don't believe God wants us in bondage. And I, and, I, and I don't see from God's word anywhere where he does. He is the deliverer from the house of bondage. Amen? Before the COVID-19 situation, we were speaking about this being a great year for God to move and for revival. And I believe it's still 
can be. Last year, if you'll recall, when I came and spoke about Brexit, let's just turn, in fact, to Revelation 18, because I wanted to start there anyway, although our foundation for these messages right now for this week and next week, certainly, maybe even beyond that, is Isaiah 60. But let's turn to Revelation 18, and just to recap, if you'll remember, those of you who uh, remember what I preach, <laughs> uh, Sometimes I don't remember what, anyway, Revelation 18. And it says, let's just read this first few verses. After these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. That is describing the situation on planet earth. Where the Babylonian system, the, the Leviathan system, the, the New World Order, all the different names, globalism, whatever you want to call it, the system that men have set up of governance among the nations and over the nations that is basically saying what it says in Psalm 2, we don't want God, we don't want his son, and we don't want this book being a curb and restraint upon us. So we want to throw off these bonds and these cords. And that's what we're faced with. In Revelation chapter 17 and 18, horrible stuff. A, 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 a harlot that sits on a horrible beast. Things that aren't really nice to read. But God is saying, this is what's going on behind the scenes, in the spirit realm. This is what's behind world events, behind the governments of the world, behind the different maneuvers and machinations of world leaders. It essentially boils down to this, that it's Babylon, which means Confusion and mixture. And it says it's the hold, the habitation of devils, the hold of everything. In other words, this is the source of everything that's wrong on planet Earth. This is what you're really dealing with, child of God. When you go to pray, you're not praying about... Now, you're to pray for uh, leaders. But you're not praying about Labour and Tory and Black Lives Matter and all these things. You're praying about this because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle with principalities and powers. This is what you're dealing with. This is, these are the things that we need to pray about before God. Understanding the spiritual reality behind earthly events. And Anyway, verse 4 says, I heard another voice from heaven. We need to hear another voice from heaven. There's a lot of voices. Sky News, BBC, Daily Mail, blah, 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 social media, your friends, the people in the supermarket, all giving their opinions. A lot of opinions. But we need to hear the voice that comes from heaven. And it says here, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And if you remember, I said... Last year when the great Brexit battle was on and it looked at we weren't going to win it, this is God's word to Britain. Come out of her. 
This is God's word. You say, well, how does God speak to Britain? Here's how he speaks to Britain. He speaks to God. He speaks to his remnant. He speaks to his people who hear his voice and pray accordingly. And if the remnant deal correctly with God, they can take the nation with them. Because God always deals with the nation. If it had not been, if it had not been for the Lord, if he had not left as a remnant. See, God deals with the remnant. He deals with those who... It's always, remember Gideon. It's a great example. 32,000 champions turned up. Who are we fighting? Where are we going? Uh, just, a, just, before we, just before we go off to war. Ended it scared. I'm scared. Home. And it was many thousand that left. But there were still a few thousand left. Then, of course, those, let's have a drink, and those that stuck their head in and glug, 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 home. Till he whittled it down to 300 men. Because God doesn't need vast armies. He just needs a, a remnant that knows him, the people that know their God, and do exploits. So, he says, come out of her. And that wasn't really a message. It was a message to the nation. Of course it was. But no one's hearing that except God's people. And that's why God's people prayed. And God's uh, prayers were answered. But remember what it says here. If it says, and, and we, we speculated. And I'll be honest with you. I don't know the answer to the question I posed. Which is, is this a conditional thing or not? Because he says, come out from my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. And didn't I say, the plagues are coming? Remember that? Remember I said that? Well, the plagues are with us now. And who knows, perhaps, I don't, did we respond too late? Or, or would it have been a lot worse if we hadn't come out of the European Babylonian Union? I don't know. But what I'm saying to you is, and what's important about this, God's word speaks to our present day conditions. And when we heed his word and heed the voice on leading of his spirit, then as a nation, as a people, as a church, as a community, as individuals, we can walk in blessing we can walk in his glory, but if we don't, we will receive of the plagues. And I don't want to talk tonight about what's judgment and what's not. But I will say this about that. That if God is not judging the nations, because a lot of Christians say, oh, God's not judging the nations in this dispensation. He suspended all judgment until the last days. Well, the same people telling us we're now in the last day, so judgment must be here. But the point I'm trying to say to you is for those who say, oh, God will not judge until the, the judgment seat of Christ and so on. If he isn't judging among the nations, he lied in his word. And secondly, who is running things up there if he isn't? See, we need to get real about these. Let's turn back to Isaiah 60. That was just my I told you so moment. 
But Revelation 18 is very important to this because I, I, I read someone the other day saying this, that in terms of where are we in the judgment clock, we're probably a lot closer in Revelation 18 than anywhere else. But is, the, is it all doom and gloom? Is there a case then that, you know, things are going to get worse, there's no point in meeting, there's going to be a second spike, we're all going to be locked down, close the church, board up the windows, there's no point in having church, or we can all go back to having Zoom meetings. You know, a lot of people are settling for online because they don't want to assemble together. Now, if you'd said that a few months ago, I'd have said, well, I don't really, you know, won't accept that. But let me just say this. I, I have, it would shock you what I have heard from other pastors and leaders. I'm, I'm in pastors and leaders group, and I am appalled and shocked at what I'm hearing. Churches saying there's no rush to go back any time this year. Well, let me just say this. If you're not assembling together, how can you be an ecclesia? I don't want to get the politics of it. I want to stick to my message. But the important thing is this. What does God say? Where are we? And, and where do we go from where we are to where God wants to take us in his purpose as a nation? And he's saying here, I believe through Isaiah chapter 60, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Well, I don't see the glory, you might say. Well, let me give you a little bit of science. The glory of the Lord is a spiritual thing, isn't it? It's a heavenly thing. And, and you can't see the things invisible with your physical eyes. And you say, well, there's not a lot of glory around right now. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of hostility to the things of God. There's a lot of defeatism. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of oppression. And there's a whole lot of Babylon going on. Well, he speaks about that. But the first thing he says is arise. And here's why we have to arise. Because if you're on your knees, or you're on your face, or you're walking about like that, you need to arise. And you need to start shining. For the light is come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't see it, it's an invisible thing anyway. He's saying the visibility part is going to come. But you have to, by faith, say, I believe what you said, Father, in your word. Remember that God's word says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Expecting something. That his enemies be made his footstool. Do you think he stopped expecting that? Oh well, that COVID thing. Right, that's put paid to our plans. Do you think Jesus has turned at any point to his father and said, coronavirus, that's put paid to our program. We need to rewrite this book. The KJV revised version. Forget, take that one out. 
Then he says this, behold. Behold is just a way of saying, look, see, look. That's all it is. Look, he says. The darkness shall cover the earth. Have you seen darkness covering the earth in recent times? <coughs> and gross darkness, the people. In other words, it's bad and it's really bad. It's gross. Now, the, 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 the kids today, the young ones today, they like using that. That's gross. And it really means... Gross darkness to people. So that's the, he's describing the situation. And you don't need to read the Daily Mirror to, to understand. You just need to read God's Word. He says it's dark. And there's darkness on the earth and there's gross darkness on the people. And we could interpret darkness in many, many ways. Fear, negative thinking, a gloomy outlook, no hope, hopelessness, unbelief, <clears throat> even among Christians. Well, all those, all those wonderful ideas we had about revival and reformation straight out the window because we're going to be locked down again and all these things, bad things are going to happen to us. But, but, he says, the divine but. The Lord shall arise upon thee. That situation's bad. There's darkness. There's gross darkness. But the Lord shall arise upon thee. And here it becomes the manifest reality. His glory shall be seen upon thee. You know it's there. In your heart. As a Christian, you have the witness of the Holy Ghost. Abba Father, he's my Father. I know Jesus is real. I know heaven is real. I know my salvation is real. I know victory is mine because his word says so. And I have the confirming witness of the Holy Spirit. I know that, but I look around and the glory, I don't see the glory. I just feel it though. But he says, don't worry, his glory shall be seen upon me. The manifestation is coming. Just like it came in the Reformation. When things were so bleak and black and we had all these horrible, uh, the horrible darkness of popery and religion and bondage. And it was said in Scotland when John Knox came back to Scotland for the last 10 years of his life, he was virtually alone. There was maybe a handful of men with him. And he had this vision of a Scotland transformed by the gospel, by the fire of the Spirit. Scotland ablaze with gospel glory. He had that vision, but he only had a few guys with him. And at the end of 10 years, the Scottish Reformation took place. And it was not himself, I think, who said, God rained men upon us. So what he carried within when he stepped off that boat back into Scotland, wasn't visible, the glory wasn't seen. Just a bedraggled man who'd had years of hardship and some have been a galley slave. And that whole Protestant thing today, that oh yes, amen, the burning bush and all that, 
the Church of Scotland, the glories, that was all inside him. But it wasn't visible. But it became visible. Why? Because John Knox arose, he shone, and the glory of the Lord rose upon him. And same here with the great men of old. And then he says, And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. He's saying here, God's going to move upon you, his glory will be seen upon you, and people will come. This is, this is what I'm trying to say to you. This is, this is what I personally believe, and I can only share with you what I believe I've seen in the Lord. Britain is to be, I believe, a haven nation from the darkness that's coming upon this world. The globalism, the new world order, all these things, whatever you want to call it. We have an opportunity, a window of opportunity. I believe here in Britain to pray that God will move and make this, these British Isles a haven from these things. But it will only come through prayer and through proclamation of the message that Jesus is Lord. He says, lift up thine eyes round about and see. He keeps telling us to see and behold. All they gather themselves together, they come to thee. Thy son shall come from far, thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. And he's not talking here just about physical children. He's talking about sons and daughters. This is a metaphor for God moving in revival. Sons and daughters birthed by intercession. Birthed into the kingdom. Birthed through a move of God's spirit to become sons and daughters of the Most High God and, in a sense, our sons and daughters as we give birth to them in intercession and prayer. Then thou shalt see and flow together, thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea, the sea in Scripture, is always a metaphor for the world system and really all the peoples of the earth. That's why it says the Babylon sits on many waters, which is a metaphor for all the peoples. The abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. Now that word forces is the Hebrew word kyle, which means wealth, riches, but also not just of physical wealth and riches, but of abundance of people. In other words, we could say we could read it like this and do no violence to the text to say this: the abundance of the sea, the peoples shall be converted unto thee; the multitudes of the nations shall come unto thee. Is our vision in our heart? Is is it burning within us to see multitudes and nations come to the Saviour? Even the multitudes within Britain, within Carlisle, within Cumbria, within England, within Scotland. Is that our heart? Or are we just saying, well, I'm saved, us four, no more, that's who I pray for, that's who I care about. That's my heart. I don't care what happens to this world. In fact, there's quite a few people I'd love to see get the COVID and die. 
A lot of people think like that, don't they? They don't believe me going on social media. Or are we saying, Lord, I want Isaiah 60. I want a vision for Britain that sees your name glorified, that sees Jesus reigning here in Britain. That see, that, that, that be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Give me the vision. Give, give me what your vision is for Britain. Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what you think. What is his heart for Britain? What is his heart for this city? What is his heart for this area, this region? Has it changed from days of old? Has it changed from when George Whitfield rode throughout the land, seeking souls for the kingdom, not satisfied <clears throat> until he had expired his very last breath preaching and reaching and teaching? Or are we just content? Well, you know what? I've been to Asda. I've got all the groceries in. Cupboards are stacked, I'm ready for the lockdown. If it happens again, that's great. I've got loads of bins watching on the TV. If that's our heart, then we really need to change and repent before him. Anyway, let's read on. Verse 9. Surely the isles shall wait for me. The ships of Tarshish first. To bring thy sons from far, their silver and their gold with them, unto the name of the Lord thy God, to the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. You see, we spoke about Brexit. Why did we want Brexit? Because we were uh, Brexiteers, or we were Tories, right-wingers. For political reasons? Not even just, brothers and sisters, so that we could be free of EU Babylon and its oppression. But for surely for a greater purpose than that, that Britain be an Albion again, the White Island, the Holy Island, a holy nation separated unto God. That Puritan vision and that covenanting vision, a Britain set apart for God's purpose in the earth. Was that our heart? When we voted to come out of the EU, it should have been, so that we as a holy nation could then evangelise other nations. Be set apart, not for political purposes, but for God's purpose in the earth. <clears throat> that was for me what Brexit was in the eyes of God. We talk about a united kingdom. United round what? Politics? Culture? Identity? Well, yes. Provided all those things were kingdom matters. Kingdom culture. Kingdom identity. Identity found in this book. And found in our mutual fellowship with the Holy Spirit and with each other. And in Christ. That's what Brexit was all about for me. And that's why I think God said, come out of my people. 
so that you can be separate in a holy nation to me. That's the vision that burns in me. Then he says, he says, that I also wait for the ships to bring sons from far, silver and gold with them, to the name of the Lord thy God, the name of Yahweh or Jehovah. The sacred name of God. To the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. Do you know God is in the business of glorifying you? He's in the business of glorifying people who will set themselves apart because he wants the glory that is on that people to be seen by other people to make them jealous and to attract them and incite them and entice them even to say, what have you got? What have these people got? What's that? What's the meaning? That's why, they, that's why these immigrants want to come here. Because they've seen the blessing. There's something that attracts them. And, and he talks in here about immigrants. We've actually skitted over some of the, 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 the verses here. Uh, and, and you can read back and see. But then he says this. He says, uh, The sons of strangers shall build up thy walls. Their king shall minister unto thee. For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favour have I had mercy on thee. The sons of strangers, that word uh, literally means the sons of foreigners. Second, third, fourth generation immigrants. They're not here to build mosques. They're not here to take economic dominion and rise up over God's people. And I'm not being racist when I say that, but that's what they're doing. They're not here for that purpose, although that's what's happening. They're here for this purpose. To build up thy walls. In other words, they're here to minister to the people of God. And I believe that, that, that incorporates them themselves coming to know Yahweh and kicking out that other fellow. Allah. To know Jesus and not Muhammad. And all over the world, Islamic people are turning miraculously to Jesus. And if we start seeing that in Britain, glory to God. But I don't know that we'll see it without praying for it. And believing God for it. And walking in Isaiah chapter 60 till it's reality so much within us that all that, all that can happen is it comes out of us in our prayers and in our sharing with others. And in our exercising of faith. We're running out of time, folks. Um, we're going to continue Isaiah 60 next week. Uh, we've still got a bit to look at. Um, but um, I don't want to stop, but time is stopping me. But I'm excited about Isaiah chapter 16, and I encourage you during the week that comes, please read it several times. If you read it out loud, faith comes by hearing, not just by reading, but by hearing. You've got the eye gate and you've got the ear gate. Use both. And you've got the mouth gate. Get the word in as much as you can in every gate possible. You know, if there was an injection of God's word, I would take it. Wouldn't take the vaccine, but I'd take Isaiah 60 in a vaccine. You don't understand. Okay. Well, let's finish our service tonight. Let's just have a quick word of prayer, then we'll, we'll, we'll sing a final. Father, we just thank you for these truths. From your word. We want this truth of this time of great gross darkness, Father, that you would shine your light in our hearts and that, Father, the image of Christ would come out of us because, Father, we have seen 
your purpose, we've seen your word, we've seen the very face of Jesus in these things. That, Father, we would, we would be bearers of your image, carriers of your presence, dispensers of the peace and love and joy that come by you, Father, and bring this nation back to you through our prayers and our preaching, teaching, and sharing, and our witnessing to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>